Welcome to Devil 7, episode 115. Daredevil, season 1, episode 12, The Ones We Leave Behind. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Welcome, agents. Can you believe there's only one episode left of Daredevil season one after this, after tonight, after tonight's episode? But luckily, Agent Daniels never alone to discuss Daredevil. He's got a friend. He's got a friend in me or or him. He is Ben, Ben Avery. You know what, Daniel? You just said a word that I'm going to say a lot tonight. Alone. The word alone, you're going to hear it a lot. Oh, well, that is kind of a theme for this episode, that is, is it not? That is exactly why you're going to hear it a lot, because it is a theme for this episode of Daredevil, the ones we leave behind, the ones we leave behind who are alone. They're so alone. Yeah. It's lonely at the at top. the top or the medium. Yeah. So let's get into this, man. Let's do Let's this. Let's do some news. Let's do some news. I'm going to play the news sounder. X3, X3, read all about it. Buy the latest issue of the bulletin. Newspaper. News stuff. Oh. Well, I see, I see you updated the sounder bit. Yeah, well, you know, it's a work in progress. <laughs> so, yeah. Really? That's, that was a nice touch to reference the bulletin. So I wonder if the bulletin will show up in Jessica. So I'm guessing it will. I'm just guessing, but not that we have secret insider information because we don't. And if we did, we keep it a secret, but That's we don't why it'd be insider information. Right. Cause Hey, let's talk about news because you got a couple items of news that are actual news, and I've got one item of news that I am super excited about. All right, well, so let's excited. Talk about the good news. That's I am so I excited. Like this is the good news. Good news number one. Anne Foley does it again. This is good news. She has developed a new concept for Sky that makes her all quaky. It looks great. I mean, it it looks like she stepped out of the comics. Yeah, I am a fan. It's not a traditional shield jumpsuit per se, but it is pretty darn close. And it really does look like something that you'd expect to see Quake uh, riding around with Bucky in space wearing. You got those gauntlets incorporated fully into the uh, into the costume. uh, And fully wins again. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I mean, one thing I, I think we can say is from the very beginning, there's been times I've been a little questionable about special effects, but again, costume design has always been a strength of this show. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. It's This is a great news item. However, it's not what I'm excited about. Are you excited about the fact that Rachel McAdams apparently has confirmed that she is, in fact, in Doctor Strange? Rachel McCoo? Um... <sighs> She was in one of those romantic comedies. I, I think she was in Mean Girls. I'm pretty sure she's in Mean Girls. 
Maybe um, she was in a movie. Someone referenced that I had seen the movie. Sherlock Holmes. That's the one. So she's been in a movie with Iron Man. Yeah. Which Just, it was nice enough. Okay. Well, I mean, this is fine. Uh, I'm, Again, I posted an article earlier today. We just prefer a little higher standard of our our confirmations. Uh, we're not so, going to bother with that one. We got you got anything else? That would be the news I have, but I, I know you've got some more good news. Yeah, I don't know if we can call this news. This is 10 days out of date, and I found out about this accidentally. And I don't I'm know totally how I missed you. this. I was looking for some music to listen to at work while I was doing some Adobe Photoshop and, and working with Premiere and you know working on some some graphics types things. Yeah, and all software programs you can buy through our store. <laughs> you began to sound like a commercial, Ben. Uh, uh, no, uh, although there is something that is going to sound more like like a commercial coming up. So thanks for uh, thanks for doing that, Daniel. If I can't ruin your moment, who can? Well, you're not going to ruin the moment. The moment was I was looking at music and I was trying to find something that was free to play through Amazon Prime, through their Amazon player. And I clicked on something and it recommended something below it. And what did it recommend, Daniel? It recommended the soundtrack to Together. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What? By Bear McCreary. You're kidding me. And it's been out since September 5th. As of this day that we're recording, September 15th, it's been out for 10 days and I didn't know about it. Why I didn't would see lie? anything come up in Bear McCreary's Twitter feed. I I just, I feel like I failed as a soundtrack fan. I feel I, like you have. I, I think. I mean, no, no, let it go, Ben. Let it go. Well, so here's the thing. If you want to find this, uh, you can go and this is something that it helps you. And helps us. And so I am going to get into it a little bit right now. But you go to Amazon. You can you can buy this. But if you go to welcome to level 7com slash music, it will take you to a special Amazon store that I have set up with some selected MCU albums, including Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. soundtrack and the Daredevil soundtrack and the Gal Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and score. And Ant-Man is in there, I think, Age of Ultron. And eventually, may, we might even end up like putting everything in there. But um, the important one, Bear McCreary's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1 and 2, I think, are represented on the disc. But it is. Both seasons. Because Terrage and Miss is re referenced to one of the tracks. And I'll say right now, I mean, Bear McCreary is one of my favorite composers for modern soundtracks. And, you know, he, he's done phenomenal work with Battlestar Galactica. That stuff is just amazing. It's, it's just incredible. And that's what got me hooked on him. Um, but he's done so many more other things. He did The Cape, if you remember that show. Uh, he did um, some video game soundtracks. He did Caprica. He, I, I mean, I've got pretty much everything he's worked on except for Outlander and Wrong Turn 2 and Wrong Turn 3. Those ones I do not have. Well, it'd be a wrong turn for you to hope. Yeah. There you go. And as of today then, and I haven't listened to it yet because it was at the end of the work day and I got so excited and then I got taken away from my computer and I'm like, oh no, I can't listen to it. So I'll be working, listening to it tomorrow 
But yeah, if you go to welcomelevel7.com slash music, and if you purchase anything from that storefront, or if you click through that storefront and purchase anything from Amazon, uh, it does actually help us out. And we get a small little kickback from anyone who who clicks through and who orders stuff. So, and, and we would appreciate that. So. And we then use that money. I got nothing. No funny <laughs> jokes. Well, there are some things coming up that we're going to need to be funding, but we'll we'll get into that when it happens. So, hey, clones aren't cheap. They aren't. Uh, life model decoys are a little bit cheaper, but they're not as realistic, and they're not as reliable, and they're <laughs> more likely to end up being evil than a clone. But clones are more likely to end up being stupid than a LMD. So I'm just putting that out there. We have some choices we have to make because of all You're this stuff. Speaking the truth. All this stuff that's coming out. We, it out. Did we have the date for Jessica Jones? I Not last time we talked, my friend. No, we didn't. And do we have the date now? I believe we do. It's November 20-something... Oh, Just in time for your Thanksgiving viewing. Uh, it's November 20th, maybe. Oh, man. We really should have been prepared with this one, but it is coming soon. <laughs> oh, I feel stupid now. But, yeah, we have a date, and we also have a uh, teaser. And the teaser looks to me, honestly, like something that is could be the opening credits. It is November 20th. I was right. Uh, it looks like it could be something that is the opening. Uh, there's lots of just vague imagery and and music. And then they put in with that, you know, it's time that you should, that everyone should know her name. Jessica Jones. So Debuting Friday, November 20th. And I saw some people complaining that it didn't tell them anything about what the series is going to be like or what the series is going to talk about or what the story is going to be. Uh, the teaser gave us exactly what we needed. And what was that? A date. The date that this is going to drop. November 20, 2015. They're dropping it. The whole thing. There it is. Binge it over Thanksgiving dinner. So if you can't find me at work, I'm <laughs> in the wellness room with an iPad. There we are. Not at all awkward. <laughs> I don't know what would be awkward about that. I don't know what the wellness room is. I'm just, just going to take you at your word chin. that it's awkward because often what you say is awkward. So, Wow. Hurtful. And a little bit awkward, maybe even. Hey, Daniel, yeah. it's time for us to move into our conversation about this episode because... We're in the penultimate episode here. This is the next to last episode. We have one more after this, like you said. And then from that episode, we're going to go straight into season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we got some big stuff happening here. Uh, are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do Oh, man, you sound ready. Opening statements. Opening statements. What is that, Daniel? The time where I figure out what I said six months ago. <laughs> When they first dropped the series, Daniel and I binge watched at our own pace. One of us watched multiple episodes every day. 
for a little while. One of us. And one watched, of us had to go to Baltimore. Yeah, one of us just took his sweet time. And what we did was we called ourselves. We called our own hotline, left a voicemail, and talked about our instant reaction. As the credits rolled for each episode, we picked up the phone and we did this. And sometimes we made predictions that were just way off. And sometimes we had some pretty good insight into um, the the themes and stuff of the episode. But I'm excited so to hear. That's right. You have the predictions that are way off. Definitely. I had, I had the insight. Uh, I definitely had the insight that was way off. No, the the predictions that were way off. And yeah, so this let's let's find out. Uh, I think I'm going to be playing yours first, if I remember correctly. So shall we shall we jump in? Let's find out what I said. This is what Daniel said right after he watched the ones we leave behind. Daredevil, episode twelve, the ones we leave behind. In the future, there will be a comic file. Well, actually, by now, <laughs> by now it's already been printed, for heaven's sake. Yeah, my Jessica Joe's comic file, I made comments about how, hey, it'd be really cool to see Ben Yurick. <laughs> Jessica Jones. Ooh. Well, I guess I got that one wrong. Totally missed that one. I did not see it coming. Because we don't have to worry about Ben Yurick finding out who Matt Murdock's secret identity is. <sighs> Fisk. Brutal. Complicated. Fascinating. For me, Fisk really is the best part of this show. In this episode, just Ben sitting there writing his blog. Competitor to BetweenDisney.com. <laughs> as he sat there typing, and you see that face behind him. That was scarier than any horror movie that I, uh, I've i ever seen. Well, it helps that I haven't really seen horror movies. But seriously, <laughs> that was terrifying. That was completely and utterly terrifying. And Madame Gal, what's up with her? she tied to the hand, perhaps? It seems a little bit more mystical than we expected. I wonder what's going on there. I just don't know. Wow. This is uh that was a good good episode. Took me by surprise there at the end. Rest in peace, Vineyard. Rest in peace. Well, you seem to be affected by the episode. It sounds as if I was. Admission accomplished. Yeah, that comic file I had just gotten read done reading Jessica Jones the Pulse and Ben Urich is her sidekick in that. And it was kind of a cool interaction. So it would have been nice to see not gonna happen. And also I will throw in there, you know, I, I do think one of the key Ben Urich storylines in the comic books is his discovery and then non printing of the Daredevil identity. And so it kind of surprised me that that never played out. It's not a story that they chose to MCU. Well, they only have so much time. But but it didn't have to be now. It could have been season two. But they probably didn't know they were getting a season two at that point. Because they did this all in one lump. They wrote it all. They filmed it all. They released it all. 
And then they found out, oh, people really like this season two. So I wonder if, it would, if they would have done it differently. As if, things have come together as quickly as the next Daredevil series is going to be released. There had to have been contracts for our key cast and commitments. Maybe, but my understanding is this was a Netflix decision because of the popularity of season one to go ahead and forego the plan and, and jumpstart and, and jump into a season two of Daredevil before they got to, to the Defenders. That's the way I understood it was happening. It was kind of a surprise to the, the showrunners and everyone. And yeah, I mean, I think they would have done things differently if it had been released week by week and they were getting all that positive buzz. I think by, by week four, you know, they would have known, oh, we're probably going to do a season two here. But then again, I don't know if they would have gotten all that buzz if they had done it as a traditional release. Um, actually, the way Hulu, Hulu is doing uh, 11 the Stephen King series. They're not doing it as a as a f- single dump. They're they're releasing the episodes week by week on Hulu, which is, you know, an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, an interesting contrast to what. We've got going on with Netflix. So, did well, I use the word dichotomy correctly? Possibly. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's hear what I had to say. Hey, Daniel. Hello, future Ben. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. <clears throat> ones we leave behind. Uh, everyone's leaving everyone else behind. Foggy's leaving Karen behind. Foggy leaving Matt behind. Matt's leaving Foggy behind. Matt's leaving Karen behind. Fisk is leaving Leslie behind. Leslie left Fisk behind. Uh, not because of, you know, fighting like the, the trio, but because of, you know, death and that kind of thing. Ben's leaving everyone behind. Um, including his, his wife. I mean, this, uh, this episode title almost, almost a, a, a little on the nose, but at the same time, it does, it does fit nicely with the theme of what's going on in this episode. Um, there's some other things going on too, like Marcy trying to get her soul back. Well, that's something Foggy needs to do. That's something they all need to do. Um, everyone is just <laughs> uh, the, the note here. Everyone is just seeking help in the bottle or something. <laughs> no one's seeking healthy help. Uh, but yeah, this is. You know, I think the final statement from Matt, I can't do this alone. That's a good statement. And <clears throat> I mean, obviously, you're going to talk about a lot of this in this episode. But, but wow. Uh, one thing I didn't like, double dream fake out at the beginning. Hated that. Uh, hated that Ben died because his name is Ben on one hand. On the other hand, because I expected him to be in the next series. Um, but apparently he's not going to be. Yeah, anyway. Um, oh, then the hundreds killed in Battle of New York. There's something they they didn't give us in the Avengers movie. Huh? That little detail. Anyway, uh, future Ben, you've left me behind. Um, <laughs> I don't hold it against you. Uh, but I am going to do something tonight. I'm going to watch episode 13, which means you're going to have a rough day tomorrow. But, um, <clears throat> you know... Double past Ben for you, 
just past Ben for me because, you know, me being present Ben, he did the same thing to me yesterday. So I'm just paying it forward, but uh, I can't, I have to, I have to, this is, I, I have to, after this, there, there's no way I'm going to not watch that last episode. And, and yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Netflix, for uh, just proving that we have no self-control. But um, I guess you already knew that. You are me. So talk to you after the next episode and then never, ever again. <laughs> wow. You, you know, except for that veiled threat there at the end, that was probably one of the least awkward calls to yourself you've had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, as tired as he sounded, he still had some coherent thoughts. And I am curious because definitely, I mean, both of us sounded a little tired. So I'm not sure what, what your story was uh, or if it was just maybe you're having a cold or something like that. Um, I think I had a cold there. Uh, but I felt a little stuffy. Yeah, both of us weren't at the top of our vocal game. <laughs> I, I do. I'm very curious now to know what I sound like after actually staying up and watching that final episode because I don't remember, but yeah. So I think it's time that for us then to move into our case evidence. And as we bring forward uh, the, the elements of this story for our judgment. All right, let's do it. Case evidence. So Daniel, as we explore this story, uh, here's, here's how I think we should, we should, do this and, and you can tell me if you agree or if you disagree but I think the Ben plot is something we should save and no. and hold on to and talk about that all together and that would give us we have the Fisk plot we have a Daredevil plot and we have a Karen plot that's basically the law firm <laughs> plot the, the opening really of, of the episode what do you think Sure. Can you hold off on talking about Ben? Because I mean, really, this episode uh, is about. It may mix in. It, well, he he shows up in some of their other stories, but um, his story I'm just is saying, the I'm story. I'm not going to promise to just all of a sudden not talk about Ben. Well, you're. I'm I'm asking you to make that promise. If you can't make that no, promise, no then, promises. I I don't know how I feel about you not being able to promise anything. I don't want to get up and walk away. Okay, and I'm not. All right. Well, we start out the episode with Karen. I talk about Ben every once in a while. <laughs> well, I might have to get up and walk away then. Um, no, we start out with Karen, and at first I thought this episode was going to be about Karen, and there is a threat or a threatening aspect to Karen's story here at the beginning that comes from Kingpin, and it's it's interesting because it comes full circle but not in the way we're expecting it to. Uh, we start out with Karen throwing the gun into the river that she used to kill Wesley. Great. She's covering up her tracks because she's going to get murdered by Fisk if he ever finds out what happened. Um, so she, I wrote here in my notes, drowning the gun and drowning her sorrows. Uh, she goes straight to the bottle after this and then takes a shower. Basically, she's just trying to, to wash away erase the feelings that she's having numb herself um and she just she just can't help herself uh, as she's haunted by her actions and and you know past me nailed it i did 
you know, I hated that Ben died at the end of this episode, but I hated it in a good way. If that makes any sense. But double it, dream it fake out, sense. double dream fake out. There is no good way. I, I hated it because she woke up from a nightmare, goes in the kitchen, gets a beer, and the kingpin is right behind her. Just a hulking shadow in the night. And that's scary. It is scary. And I am scared Not that for this her. will happen again in this episode. Yeah. Well, we get a lot of this, though. We get a lot of person alone in a room. And then someone else enters the room. And it's a psych out. Until the end. When it's not a psych out. Um, but this is our first one. Where he's there. And... What, it's terrifying because we think it's a physical threat. Although I'm wondering, how did he find out? Well, we must, we'll find out how he found out, right? We'll find out. Um, but then he brings to her when we, something that's more threatening when we realize it's a dream. Cause then she wakes up from her nightmare again, just as he grabs her head to twist it around or something, you know, um, he's psychologically terrifying right now because he's saying, you know, there's something I need to tell you. There's something you don't know. It gets easier the more you do it. And he's talking and again, about taking a life and and snuffing out someone and snuffing out their memories and their dreams and their hopes. And, and to be blunt from everything that I've read about killing, which I've actually read quite a bit, having studied military history quite a, in my past, um, what he says is, Again, the villain is saying it, but it's true what's being said. It is, in fact, you know, something that gets easier as you begin to disassociate that person as being a person. And I know it's true because it happened on Under the Dome where oh. Nori, she killed someone and then she's able to do it again and again. And um and really, I don't even know why wow, I'm bringing that up. I do not up. understand that reference. Well, you never will understand that reference. And I hope that our audience doesn't understand that reference. Because that show got so bad. Daniel, so bad. Now, our friends Wayne and Troy from Underdome Radio, which is also part of the Noodle Mix Network. Uh, I hear they had to sit through this show. Oh, they did. They did. And they, they made it. They took it all the way to the bitter, bitter end, but it got bitter at the end. Uh, yeah, so they've, they've actually posted their final episode. And um, yeah, I, I would leave feedback every once in a while for, for episodes because I thought it was good. And then I thought it wasn't as good, but still okay. But then it just got horrible. So, But I digress. I don't know why I need to say that I digress because I just did it. Because saying digress it. is a cool word. Yeah. So that's her dream, and I hate the double dream fake out. I I despise the double dream fake out because it's a cheat. I think you should be open to the double dream fake out. No, why would I be open to the double dream fake out? It is just because I wanted to say it. Okay, well, it I is cheap storytelling. It. it is cheap storytelling. It is a cheat. You're doing that so that you're you you lull your audience into a false sense of security by saying, well. She already woke up from a bad dream. We wouldn't do it again. Oh, psych. Uh, we totally did it again. Boom. Fake. Out. Yeah. So, but the emotion behind the moment rings true. I, and, and what he's saying to her, you know, he, 
it's a it's a spiritual, it's a psychic, it's a psychological threat to her well-being. Now the question is, has she done this before? And when he says it gets easier the more you do it, to me that says this is not the first time. This is part of the more. It's happened before and now you've just done it and it's going to get easier again. I don't know. Well, we'll find out in season two, I think. But And Karen's nasty, dirty little backstory is hinted at several times throughout this episode. Yeah. Yes. So that's our opening scene. And then we move to Karen in the law offices of Nelson and Murdoch. And she's alone. And then she's not alone. Why? Because someone creeps up behind her and scares her. Fake. It's not a threat. It's just foggy. Oh, hey. He just likes to hang out in his own office in the dark. Don't we all? Well, yeah. Wait, you weren't being serious? No, I was completely serious. I thought about turning my lights off here in the office earlier tonight as we got ready to record. Well... I thought it'd be a nice touch. <laughs> well, it, it would fit with the episode because they don't turn the lights on except for these desk lights to dramatically light them. Uh, but yeah, he comes in. They have a nice conversation and some of it, what he's saying has double meanings, which is, you know, he he could be talking about Fisk. He could be talking about Matt. Which one is he talking about? I'll when he's talking about you can't just run around killing people and still act like a human being, you know, that's, that's got a double meaning there. He's going to pay for what he's done. That's got a double meaning there. But then she's asking him, well, do you think the man with the mask is a terrorist? And he says, I don't even know what to think about this guy anymore. So both people now in Karen's life are hiding big secrets from her. It's the same secret, actually. But and then she's hiding stuff from both people in her life with Foggy and Matt. She's not telling them what happened and what she did. Not the same secret there. No, because that'd be weird if she was keeping it from Matt that he was, in fact, Daredevil. <laughs> that would. That might be if you look in the dictionary, the definition of hot mess. It might be or it might be an interesting, maybe even compelling superhero story. A paradox. Everyone knows the superhero's secret identity except for the superhero himself. That could be kind of fun. I mean, it would involve some okay, sort of we gotta massive clearly, head wound. But... we got to stop the tape and then erase this before anybody hears it. You've got to write this. Yeah. Well, I've got other stuff I've got to work on for people that are Do we trademark me. it? Maybe we trademark. Trademark. No. Ben Avery and Daniel Butcher. Well, that's this not is our trademarks. legally binding proof that this was our idea. Yeah, that that's there, but trademark doesn't work that way. You're getting more into copyright, but Did okay. So, but I, I digress. Copyright symbol instead. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, so when Foggy leaves, he leaves with the promise that everything's going to be okay, and 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 we're still friends. I'm still there for you. I'm still Foggy. Still, you're foggy. And and he leaves right as Matt is coming in conveniently. 
And this is where we get a glimpse at a nice little piece of Marvel history. Did you see it, Daniel? Did you? Did you? Did you see I it? I didn't. On the wall? I didn't. Or actually see on it. the door behind Matt? I didn't. Atlas Investments. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that cool? That is cool. One of the 18,000 names that Marvel Comics had under Martin Goodman. I wouldn't say 18,000, but it is one of those early names, and it gets used now as as a nice callback to early Marvel, pre-being Marvel. And so that's behind Matt as he comes in. Matt and Foggy have a very awkward, awkward moment together in the hallway as they pass each other. And then Matt and Karen have their own conversation. And this is where Karen has some, she has some good insight and, and she's kind of pushing Matt. She's pressing in. She's saying, Hey man, you know, you should talk to him. And he's like, well, I, I can't, he won't let me. And she says, he says it's his choice. And she says, it's only his choice. If you let it be his choice that you're not talking. And she presses in on him because she's uh, this conversation for her. The thrust of the conversation is basically the world has fallen apart. You and foggy are the only good things in my life. And now you're not really even part of my life anymore. And not, you know, you're, you're, you're tearing things apart. And so I'm, I'm the unintended victim of, of your life falling apart. So that's the big Karen moment here at the beginning of the episode. Now throughout the episode, Karen has conversations with Ben. We'll talk about that. She talks to Ben, pushing him to tell the story. You got to tell the story. And so she is the one who's pushing Ben into actions that are going to cause problems for him. Pushing him again. Serious problems. But that's that's pretty much. I'm gonna look through my notes here to see if there's anything more. Oh, then at the end of Matt, well, what, her her story dovetails back with Matt's story toward the end. So we'll talk more about uh, Karen and Daredevil at the end of this episode. But she spends a lot of her time alone on the screen, and that's because. She's getting pushed away and she's also she's trying to push forward on her own because she's got a mission and that is to take down Fisk. So any more thoughts about Karen before we get to you know, Karen and Matt at the end of the episode? Um, Karen clearly has issues. Again, what Fisk told her, which was a manifestation of her subconscious. Yeah. And then let's throw in the fact that she doesn't remember drinking an entire, entire bottle of, was that whiskey? I, I don't mean, know. She clearly, and we've seen her drink in excess before, she can drink in excess, and it's clearly a coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. And Foggy did as well. So when he calls her out on it, she it basically returns the favor. Sound, yeah. And they 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 agree. You and I should not drink. And she says, "Yeah." But like like past me said, um, no one is looking for healthy ways to deal with their problems right now. They're pushing people away. They're 
just drowning themselves in the bottle. They are not communicating with each other. But unlike some stories where you're just like, you know, if they would just talk, if they would just say, this is my problem, then the problem would be solved very simply. This feels real. This feels like the way people would handle their problems. You know, you, Matt can't reveal anything to, to Karen. Why? Because if he does, it's, it's all out there. And so he can't really go to her with, well, this is what's between me and Foggy right now. And Foggy is choosing to follow that same tactic. And yeah, I mean, if only some of these people would just open up, be honest, things would be a little bit easier. Maybe not at first, but they would be easier. But it, it rings true. All this <laughs> stuff with our trio. It most certainly does ring true. Which is unfortunate. But, yeah, I mean, how many of us, especially with family, you know, we just don't open up and let our family in and let them know. Uh, and when we finally do, they can help and, and they actually can support you. And and that's what we're, you know, hopefully going to be heading toward with our with our main trio here. But. You know, right this now. is why I podcast is so you can support me. Yeah. About that, Daniel. I just thought it would be financial. <laughs> oh, so that's why I've been getting bills forwarded yep. from. Yeah. And they're not happy. You're not paying them. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's why you're sitting in the dark in your office because I haven't paid your electric bill. Yep. Now I understand everything. Okay. All right. So let's talk some about Fisk, shall we? Let's do it. Fisk has his own mission here. He has his own problems. He has a girlfriend who's in a coma. But contrary to what past Ben thought, Vanessa ain't dead. And she certainly seems like she's not going to die anytime soon. She's a tough one. So past Ben has turned off the... Death Watch countdown and past Ben, man. Anyway, he missed so many things. He got some stuff right, but it was mostly stuff he that was right in front of him so on the screen. Many things. So, but anyway, um, Fisk, his plan is to send Vanessa away. And so, as much as we're talking about how everybody's alone and left behind. Fisk intends to send Vanessa away, but she has no intention of going away. And in fact, Vanessa's going to show a nasty side. She is. She is. I mean, she first of all, she shows shows a good side. She says, "I've made the choice to stand by you. I've made the choice to be with you. I knew things were going to be." And then I thought she was going to say dangerous or something like that, but she said complicated, which is a good line, funny line. Uh, but the line, are you thinking of the line that she gives after he says, I'll make sure they pay for what they've done. Mm hmm. And what does she say? <laughs> In short, make them suffer. Well, she says, I expect nothing less. I mean, that's, that's her intention. She wants them to suffer too. 
yes, for what they've done does. to us. Make them suffer for what they've done to us. And their conversation gets interrupted by someone who says they found him. And who's that him? Wesley. Yeah. So this is the one who did leave Fisk behind. He was forced to leave Fisk behind uh, by bullets from a gun. But yeah, so Fisk goes to the crime scene. And this is where his investigation starts. This is his mission. He's got to find out who did this. And he starts beating up the the uh, the guard who was standing guard at his room and let Wesley take his phone and gun. Um, and and Owsley is brought in. And he's shocked and amazed. And he's like, well, okay, well, who did this? You know, I think it was a Japanese or something. But um, when Fisk goes after the the guard, Owsley is the one who brings him back, calms him down, talks him down. I think it's called loyalty. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did what he was told. I think they call that yeah loyalty or something. Like he, his delivery, I mean, he's just, you know, he says things he probably shouldn't in front of people who are more powerful than him, but he gets away with it because they need him. And he's just an interesting character. He's not the most interesting character on the whole show, but he's one that whenever he's on the screen, I'm paying attention because I want to know what is he going to say next? And yeah, so Karen got rid of the gun, but you know what Karen didn't get rid of? The phone. Yeah. And what do we find out on the phone? The last person or one of the last people that he talked to that mom. Wesley talked to was mom. And it's that and awkward moment. Yeah. And so Fisk then um, finds out from Owsley that the investigation isn't going well. The, it's not looking like the Japanese did this. Not looking like Madame Gao did this, killed Wesley. I mean, we know who killed Wesley. It's not a part of any of the craziness is going on and and then we see again that Fisk is going to send his mother to Italy get her out of here it's kind of a godfather moment and maybe she'll get married maybe teach him to drive <laughs> Wilson I want to introduce you to your new dad again uh, she this is a heart wrenching scene though i mean and, and we get another scene like this with ben's story but um you know where she's she's not all there and she's repeating things and she's forgetting conversations and and that kind of thing but um you know he's trying he's pushing his investigation by asking his mom questions you know who came to see you why did wesley call you so yeah so fisk's story from here goes to, well, Ben's story. So I think we're going to stop there with Fisk. Well, any other thoughts here about what's going on with our with our boy Fisk? Nope, nope. He's just an intense guy. He's very intense. And you know, he's worried because his one friend is missing and then dead. And those are his words. When he beats up that guard, his words are, he was my friend. He was my friend. With a big, meaty punch to the guy's face. And 
yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the few people that, that Fisk would give that label to. Vanessa being one of the other few people at this point. But it's rough. It's rough. So, yeah, with Fisk, man. You know, when Owsley is on the screen, I'm paying attention because I want to know what's he going to say next. You know, he's just that, that little wormy jerk, you know. But when Fisk is on the scene, I'm watching him. Because uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, he's he's a commanding presence on the screen. He draws you in, uh, and he just has an emotional weight uh, and an oppressive anger that he's just he's someone to watch. They got the right guy. They got the right guy. Yes, they did. So you want to talk a little bit about Daredevil then and Daredevil's little story? Yeah, he doesn't do much. We can just ignore it for the night, can't we? No. It's good stuff, oh. too. All right, let's go there. It's good stuff. Come on. It is. Now, we're going to have to talk about Ben a little bit here because Daredevil goes, meets with Ben, tells Ben, keep your head down. You know, you don't want to get involved here. What was that? My chair. Oh. <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable tonight. He says, keep your head down. <laughs> See, I'm going to invite Daredevil to sit in my chair. He and would then he won't be it. able to sneak off. Oh, he would hate that chair. Oh, he'd hate this chair. It'd, It'd just, be so painful. It for would him. irritate all his senses. Is that our post credit that we just did here? No, we, we we have a discussion, oh, okay. a serious issue to have. All right, well, we'll just leave it here. Then I don't want to edit it out if we're not going to. Uh, so anyway, he tells him, watch your back. Fisk is an animal. We're backing you into a corner. Um, but we do find out that they are, th- that Madam Gao, although they don't know the name, uh, is using blind mules <laughs> to carry the drugs. And apparently... Ben, the reporter, has noticed a lot of blind uh, Chinese people walking around the city with backpacks, but isn't interested enough to find out what they're doing. Well, you know, nobody would look at a blind man twice. Well, it seems to be a pattern, but yet Ben doesn't seem to care. Ah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, no, seriously, when you think about it, it's true. He's like, well, what do you think? He's like, hey, I think I've seen these blind guys with backpacks. I know all about them. They're oh, down here. You, Not that I care. You saw one too, huh? Yeah. Well, okay. So there's a little little bit of a plot hole. Or Come a, on, Ben. You're a good reporter. Dig into that. <laughs> and, yeah. So Daredevil leaves Ben with the warning. Be careful. Fisk is an animal. We backed him into a corner here. And then Daredevil... He's it, it's 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 time for him to go. It's time for him to find out what's going on. And he's using his senses. And he's hearing the 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 tap 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 of the the cane uh, of a blind person and he's uh then following the car that the blind man or is it a blind woman? It's a woman. Yeah. Who's put into the car and it drives away and he's following the car by running across the rooftops as the car is you know doing the slow city traffic and you know it it was a nice scene though i i'm it, it was a very daredevil scene to me 
you know, using his powers, listening. The classical music is playing in the car. And so you have a nice counterpoint there where he's doing this action scene, jumping across the rooftops, rolling, doing the parkour thing. And then you've got the classical music playing along with it. And I, I liked it. And there were some pretty cool moves going on there, too. In fact, I wrote in my notes, sweet moves. Boom. No costume. That was also kind of fun. And well, and one of the things I do find a little, I don't know, questionable about the future is he tosses his cane. And in the comics, his cane is a major weapon because it's not, it's more than just a white cane. It's actually, you know, billy clubs. It's his nunchucks, but and they've got cool gadgets and tools in it. Ah. But here we see him just kind of throw it away. He's not going to do those cool gadgets and stuff. He's got the, the, the sticks from stick. He's got those. He's going to use those, but we're not going to see a grappling hook pop out of his cane. Oh man, that'd be sweet. Or a two way radio. Oh, that'd be awesome. Who's on the other side? It's not foggy right now. So this is how he finds out where the drugs are going and the drugs are, um, there's a symbol on there of like this kind of a snake thing. Mm -hmm. And do you know what that snake thing is? Mm -mm. Well, it's actually a part of iron fist history, comic history. Yeah. It's not the Shea Lao, is it? No, it's a steel serpent. And they actually call the drugs. They they mention steel serpent when they're talking about the drugs. I think that's what they're calling the drugs, but each packet of this drug has the symbol from Steel Serpent, who is a an Iron Fist villain. So, nice pickup. Yeah, yeah. Well, I only picked it up because I thought I'm gonna look up this this symbol. What is this symbol? And then because I didn't catch the Steel Serpent reference, but when I tried to look into you know Daredevil Netflix dragon symbol or whatever, um, the trail led me to Steel Serpent and. So there's there's another Iron Fist reference, and we're going to be getting, I think, another Iron Fist reference here a little bit later in this episode. But uh, Daredevil goes, he infiltrates the base, the the warehouse where they are packaging the drugs. All these people with no vision uh, are our own tables, and there are guards who can see, uh, but you know, Daredevil is slowly going around taking them out one by one. And then there's this cool scene. I don't know. This is why I'm like, how can you pass this up? This is a pretty neat thing. And this is probably the most superhero-ish episode for Daredevil that we've gotten where he's chasing them across the rooftops and now he's infiltrating their base and he's walking through this room of people who are blind. He is also a blind man, but he has this, you know, other senses And he's walking through just being really quiet and they don't even know he's there. They don't even know he's watching. They don't even know he's he's infiltrated them. And actually, in my notes, I wrote down Borg episode of Star Trek Next Generation. If you remember that first episode with the Borg where they beamed over on the ship and the Borg didn't even bother with any of the the crew of the Enterprise until they started touching things, you know, and they weren't perceived a threat. And. Madame Gao, though, she sees him. She cries out, gives the alarm, and they all turn around and start attacking him, which is, you know, and 
so it, it's it it it's terrifying. It's horrifying on a couple of different levels. One is who are these people? Because we find out that she didn't blind them. They volunteered. They chose this. Yeah. yeah. And Matt, I mean, he's focusing on the fact that he's there to save them. Yeah. They really don't need saved. And Gal's going to tell them, tell Matt, you know, they chose this. It's because they believe in something bigger. Uh, seeing this world, you know, it's basically kind of a sh- unreal thing. It's It's not, there's more to it than what you can see. And so she's given them this option. And Matt apparently has ruined it for them. Yeah, I mean, they, and so then that guy who was in the taxi in an earlier episode, to me, he was an innocent victim. I thought that these people who were packaging the drugs, who were sightless and had their sight taken away from them, I thought that they were, they were innocent victims who were, you know, in slave labor. And, you know, the guys who were given the backpacks who were walking around town with these backpacks that they were forced to do this. No, I mean, they were a part of this. They were, they chose to be a part of this. And so as part of this battle at the end here, uh, Daredevil confronts Madame Gao and she fights back and she gives this nice, just heel of the hand to the chest with, uh, and just throws Matt back you know, 12 feet more. He slides after he hits the ground. I mean, this is a, this is a massive punch and he gets up and she's gone. So we definitely establish here that Madame Gao is more than we see because again, this punch is pretty amazing. Yeah. There's definitely something of a mystical martial art in what she's doing. And when you think about mystical martial arts, Daniel, is there a character in the Marvel Universe that you think of? Dr. Shang? Shang T, yeah. Oh. Also, oh. Uh, Iron Fist. Right? Well, and I definitely Am I right? feel like... Well, I mean, Am we I? take this and we take that earlier reference to, you know, he'll be ready when Stick's talking to the dude. And you definitely feel like this is going somewhere Defender-ish. Yeah, so Madame Gao then... She shows up and, t- and does a final conversation with Owlsley. And here's there's a, a bunch of revelations in this final conversation with Owlsley. And what is revealed? They're responsible for what happened to Vanessa. Boom. That's pretty big. And kind of what I was thinking and then not thinking, you know, but um there they did it. Because they wanted to get that distraction out of Fisk's life. And then we also find out that she's going to go home. And he asks her if that's China. And she says, no, that's considerable. It's a considerable distance further. And, you know, I, I'm get again, this is where I think about Iron Fist and the mystical city where he, he learned to do what he what he's doing. With, uh, you know, having the Iron Fist. And, yeah, I mean, this is, I think she is from, uh, what's the land that he he was, that he went to? Kunlun? Yeah, yeah. I think that's where she's from. I might be wrong there, 
But she's definitely from a place that's like that. Yeah, she's definitely from somewhere mystical. Yeah. And it's time for her to return. And she tells Owsley we won't speak again. And then she goes Batman. And so Owsley is left alone. He is one of those left behind. Again, you know, they all learned really well from Batman. What's that? You're there and then you're not. Yeah. Daredevil did it to Ben. Now Gao does it to Owsley. And Gao did it to Daredevil. So. She's good. Yeah. Batman good. So we do get a final conversation with uh, Daredevil and Karen. After Daredevil's gone through this whole fight. Um, it's another one of those false scares where she's in the office. There's someone trying to get in the door. It's going to be a murderer. No, it's Matt. It's just oh, Matt. Oh, he belongs there. He and, pays the rent. <laughs> and he references, uh, you know, someone in his life who said that he had to push away the people he cares about if he's going to be good at what he does. But this is where he has that line. I can't do this alone. I can't take another step alone. And, you know, again, that theme of of the solitude of these characters as they're not reaching out to the people around them. But Matt finally does reach out and it's a nice character moment. It's a nice, you know, end to his character arc of this episode. So, yeah. And and it's that revelation, you know, I am daredevil. I am Iron Man. (laughs) I am Groot. Right. In the sense of, again, if he's going to be successful, he can't do things. He has to reject the teachings of Stick and uh, invite people into his story that he hasn't yet, including Foggy, who's working for the same goal yeah. that he is. So I think this is a good episode for Matt. I think it's a good episode for Daredevil. I think it's a good episode for Fisk. But let's talk a little bit more about, well, let's talk about Foggy, actually, because there's one little bit with Foggy. Foggy becomes an agent of change for someone else's story as he pushes Marcy to try to get back her soul. It's like he really cares. Yeah, it's almost like she kind of cares. She remembers what it was like to be a good person at one time. She remembers what it was like to just be a person, period. But she he's pushing her to be more like the old her. He's pushing her to be more like the 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 version of her that he knew from law school who wasn't corrupted by a, a corporation and a job that asks for asks asks for um. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Her soul. Well, her soul. Allegiance. Uh, <laughs> loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. What he's really looking for is to make her the version that he actually wanted to have a dinner and movie with. Not just the version that he wanted to have a, wants to have a booty call with. Yeah. And she's willing. She's willing to talk. And then she's willing to look. And she becomes... An, an ally out of this. And I like it. I was not expecting her to have a character arc. And let's remember, there's a cost for her to be an ally. 
yeah, she could lose her career. She could, but she could lose more if all this stuff is true. Because, I mean, this is what Foggy tells her is everyone involved with these guys is going to come down with them. When they're brought down, there are going to be lots of questions. So, and whatever evidence Foggy has shown must be pretty convincing. So, yeah, nice. I was not expecting I, I wasn't expecting her to show up again when she did, you know, when Foggy. Dude, she's totally she's totally season two material, just like Ben. Oh, absolutely. Um, she might even <laughs> I could see her being a part of the law firm. I could see her being the next Mrs. Foggy. Hmm. Maybe. I don't think it's that far out on a limb. Maybe. We do know that he did get married in the comics. In the comics, yeah. <laughs> we don't know anything about the TV show with him getting married, but uh, yeah, okay. So you want, you ready to talk about Ben? Oh, Ben. Let's talk about Ben, 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 Ben. ben. See, see, what this episode reminds me of is, and I know you haven't watched it, but Band of Brothers, you kind of went through and focused one character at a time. This really, really, really feels like this is a Band of Brothers style. This is the Ben episode where we've had the Wilson episode and we've had the Childhood Matt episode. This is totally the Ben episode. Yeah, and it reminds me uh, uh, in that regard, like of Lost, where they would just follow a different character and you know they advance other characters' stories as they were doing that. But you're getting the meat from a single character. The difference being his time is basically so that his death is that much more shocking and. <laughs> And that much and, more and impactful. Meaningful. It yeah. is gravitas. Yeah. Because it's been reestablished, something that we've known for several episodes now, which is that Ben is a great person, a person of high moral character who loves his wife deeply and loves the truth. Even more than his own career does he love the truth. Yeah. And, and the need to share it. So we start with, like we said, Ben and Daredevil with their little conversation. Then we get a conversation with Karen and Ben. And if I remember correctly, this is another one of those persons sneaking up behind someone else. And, oh, it's not a bad guy. It's a good guy. You know, but they talk about running the story. And and then. Got to talk to that editor. Ben's got to go talk to the editor. He's not there. So what does he do? Uh, he has another phone conversation with Karen <laughs> and he's telling her that, you know, everything's going to be okay. But, um, he goes and talks to the editor. He has written the story. He's written the story. Uh, he gives he it to his written editor it yet, but he's pitching it. Ah, that's right. You're right. He's, he's pitching the stuff, the evidence, and there's nothing there. And at first he gets suspended as he's pushing things and, and as he's um, twice the the uh, the the reference to uh, prostitution is thrown out once by uh, the editor who says you sound like you know a, a prostitute and and once by Ben where he says I've, I'm feeling like one with with what I'm having to do here you know ever since I wrote the Union Allied story 
you haven't let me write about what's going on in the city. You're not letting me tell the truth. So he gets suspended for that. But then he takes it one step further. And he asks a simple question that begs a simple answer that doesn't get answered. Well, the answer is you're fired. But that simple question, how How much much is Fisk paying you? We've already established, you know, men in this world, in this universe, they're willing to pay, receive money to compromise. And turn years of friendship into nothing. You just uh, you can put a price on it. And is it possible that this editor has put a price on that? Well, the cops have done it. The law firms are definitely doing it, although they're doing it and feeling pretty moral as they go about their business because hey, this is business as usual for for us. We're just defending a, a client. But for an editor of a newspaper to not run stories because he's receiving money from someone. But he's definitely on the Fisk train. I mean, he's, uh, Ben says, you know, look at this. He, he killed his own father. And, and the editor says, well, he's given a lot of money to the city. And then he's fired. You're out of here. You're done. Clean out your office. Because of that, how much is this paying you thing? Because this is all happening in front of everybody. <laughs> this is happening in front of the entire staff of the bulletin. And that's one of those days at work. You go home and you're just like, oh, man, it was awkward. Maybe I should have gone to a re- uh, more private place. <laughs> sure, my cubicle is not going to work here, but maybe the editor's closed door. But again, Ben's passionate about the truth, and he has. He's been put on a leash. And so we get the conversation with his wife. Where I love this conversation. Oh, man, it's beautiful. And then you remember. This is love. But then, Daniel, it's heartbreaking because you know what's happening. You know what's, what's coming. When we first watched it, we didn't. But, Daniel, this is rough this time around. But seriously, this is love. He makes her an offer, an offer for time, an offer to run away together, (laughs) them alone. Yeah. Maybe it's legitimate. Maybe it's not legitimate based on her medical situation. But he is, he's laying it out there. For you, I will just be with you. But she loves him and she speaks truth into his life because of that love. You know, you've had a bad day. You've had worse. You don't need them. You just need a story. You're Ben Urich. You speak the truth. You share truth. And, and to be blunt, you're not you if you don't have a story and truth to share. And the and world so you needs have that to truth. do it. Yeah. You have to do it. You this story has to be told. Now we've we've judged Karen in the past for manipulating Ben. This is not manipulation. This is a woman who loves her husband who have been together for longer than they're willing to say, who knows him better than any person on the face of the earth. And understands that in order for him to be him, he must do this thing. 
even if it's inconvenient for him and for her. And it's, I mean, you're not overstating it. Uh, this is a beautiful portrait of a marriage. I mean, it really is. You're saying she's speaking truth into his life. That's one of the things I appreciate about my wife. In fact, there's been some situations recently where I've been asking, you know, second guessing myself and, and looking at, you know, what have I done? What am I doing? You know, and, and that's where my wife just says, Ben, stop, just stop. You made the right choice when you made that choice. And now, you know, you can't look back at that and say now, well, I made the wrong choice because it was the right choice. And she, this is, I'm, I'm watching Ben and his wife here. And it, it is like you just said, it's, it's love. It's love that can be honest. It's love that can speak words that may not be words that the other person wants to hear, but needs to. Yeah. And, and so this is where, this might be the most functional relationship in the MCU. Might be? Okay. <laughs> might be? I, I've only, as I've can, sat here and reflected, I can only think of one other, which I'm not willing to truly say right at the moment what that relationship is, just in case somebody hasn't heard that episode. But compared to like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., definitely. Definitely the most functional. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Ben, he, I mean, he's, he's out of a job. He doesn't have the voice that he would have, but this is again, his wife, you know, there's this thing called the internet, dude, might've heard of it. Maybe even wrote a story about it, you know? Um, you've so, only mocked it for 11 episodes <laughs> yeah. before now, maybe 12, if you include this one, but Karen comes to him and, and another phone call with, with Ben. And he says, I'm going to write about all of it. I'm going to write it all down. I'm going to start a blog. And I can't, I can't help thinking, you know, because you get some conversation with with him in the next scene where they talk about, you know, new media and that kind of thing. But I can't help thinking, OK, yeah, he's going to start a blog. You know, conspiracy theorists are going to believe him. But, you know, he's got to have more than just a blog. He, he's it's just like being a journalist. You've got to have proof. It's just like Superman in the new 52. <laughs> I Clark Cat. Or is it Cat Clark? Can't speak to that. Yeah, it's not that great. The so, website name is just really lame. So, Ben ends up alone in his place at his desk doing what he does. His superpower, truth. Is it strong enough? Well, we'll find out. But uh, Fisk is sitting there. Fake out. And it's real this time. Oh, it's real this time. That fear from the beginning of Fisk and what he would do if he found out. It comes full circle here and you have them face to face. They're talking about humanity and faith in humanity. They're talking about uh, truth. They're talking about, um, you know, being men of honor. You know, and, and Fisk respects Ben and, you know, he just wants to talk. But you almost want you almost think that Ben's going to get through it alive. 
almost as if Fisk is saying, you know what, go ahead and run the story. See what happens. You know, it's not going to bring me down. Almost. But then... But my mother. So another question. Another question with a brutal answer. Were you alone when you spoke to my mother? Were you alone when you spoke to my mother? And Ben lies to his face and says yes. But Ben realizes he's caught because someone from the bulletin told Fisk. And so Fisk threatens him. But Ben says, I'm, I can't be threatened. I've been threatened. I've been threatened plenty of times. And Fisk says, well, I'm not here to threaten you. I'm here to kill you. And he, again, with his bare hands, takes the life of another human being. Because it's easier for him now because he's done it more often. And that stuff at the beginning where we're talking about, you know, you're snuffing out these relationships, you're snuffing out these dreams, you're snuffing out these ideas, these hopes and these memories. Even though it wasn't Fisk who actually said it, it was Dream Fisk. But he's doing it now. He's doing it now. And we end the episode with the shattered photograph of the least dysfunctional relationship in the MCU. Startling. Oh, startling image to walk away from. Uh, and startling to listen to Fisk again. I, Fisk talks about how he, he apologizes for <laughs> for for actually underestimating Ben. You know, I apologize. He apologizes, and this whole rant about social media and people <laughs> being distracted again. Villain speaks the truth. Villain speaks the truth. People are more interested in celebrity weddings and. And other flim flam. And cats. Uh, cat videos. Cat bath, I yeah. literally know a guy who every year. No, I, I know of an entire film festival that's nothing but internet cat videos that occurs. And it sells out. It sells out. And, and Ben, we haven't fully talked about this, but recently I went on some agent training. Did a little off-road preparation with some vehicles. Half of my party were miners. None of them could understand why at this remote location, why their devices were not constantly being charged. I may have taken one junior agent aside and said, if you want me to charge that device for you, I can plug it into the lake. (laughs) Yeah. And because there is the the idea that, you know, some of this is escapism, uh, but escape for a moment becomes escape. And disconnection from what is going on in the world. And and that's where I thought maybe Fisk was going to let Ben do it. You know, who's going to believe this blog about this story from this woman that no one can consider a reliable source? Can they even confirm it's his mother? Right. And I thought he was going to walk away. I thought he was going. I really did think he's going to walk away i was wrong my mother and when you begin to hear him say but my mother there's just dread yeah oh my heart sinks 
And I'm thinking, okay, is this where Matt Murdock is going to come in and we're going to start our final episode conflict? And the cliffhanger here will be Matt and Kingpin. Nope. 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 That's not the show we're watching. Nope. That's not the show we're watching. If not it today, was, sir. If it was the Daredevil spinoff from Trial of the Incredible Hulk, that would be the show we're watching. Kingpin standing there. He's confronting someone. And, you know, because 80s action, you know, we're going to have Daredevil there. But that's it's not even the cliffhanger. That's just what happens when it's time for the fourth commercial break. And then after the commercial break, here comes Daredevil crashing through the window at the last minute. We're not watching that kind of show here. We're watching a pretty brutal show with characters who are doing pretty brutal things like strangling a man with his bare hands and it's it's rough to watch it's rough to watch even if it wasn't for all the empathy that we we had for ben so man so there we are episode eric you quite possibly may have been one of the best characters in the MCU. Maybe. No, he, he, I mean, he's up there. He's, he's definitely like the top five supporting characters. I'll definitely top five supporting characters, maybe top two supporting characters for me, just because I can't think of everybody right now due to exhaustion, (laughs) but such a good, Character, such a good example of a functional human being with a moral compass. Yes, yes. He wants to do right. He and, wants and I to know serve we, truth. And you and me and a few others have had some conversations recently about the depiction of violence and perhaps other shenanigans in the future in the MCU especially on Netflix, you know, how far will it go? And the thing is, is for a show that's been pretty violent and in this word had used, in my opinion, a pretty hard curse word that I really didn't want, wouldn't want my youngest to hear. Um, it has done a really good job at giving a complex villain who says things that are actually accurate and true, but also Someone like Ben, who's just been a great example of how people should behave. And the one nice thing with Ben and Fisk is, in a lot of ways, they are two points to Matt. You know, these are the two sides he could be going toward. With with Ben, it's the truth and the light. And with Kingpin, it's, you know, darkness and, and secrets and shadows. And... They, they both give nice counterpoint to the conflict within Matt Murdock. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, we've got one more episode in the series here. Um, it's all going to wrap up. This episode definitely feels like ramping up to that finale. We have all of our characters pretty much in their darkest place. Kingpin is on the warpath for what has happened to his best friend and his girlfriend who is now his best friend and we've got the setup where are we going from here oh that's why i had to keep watching that's why i mean i was compelled not by the action i was compelled by the characters and the reaction to all the events that were happening to them 
This is good writing, my friend. This is good writing. Boom. Except for the double dream fake out at the beginning. <laughs> so, uh, are you ready for some uh, witness testimony? Let's do it. All right. Witness testimony. So this is the part of the show where we read feedback and some of this feedback is from days of old <laughs> where we are. Uh, we've dug up old messages from uh, that were lost in the digital realm uh, from our website, but we have found them and some of these are timeless. Some of them were timely, but aren't timely anymore. And so we're, we're pulling out some of these here. Um, Daniel, let's start with the, the episode, the, the episode, the, uh, the message that is subject line convert convert from, uh, agent, agent Michael. There we go. I was excited to watch agents of shield when it first came out, but only got two episodes in before I quit having heard about how it turned around and is a great show and how you guys are doing this podcast. I decided to give it another shot. Now I'm in the early part of season one and starting to like it. I'm also looking forward to listening to Welcome to Level 7 as I go along, but I haven't caught up to the actual start of the show yet, Episode 9. Anyway, I just want to let you know that there's at least one person who's watching the show because of you agents. And I would say thank you very much. Um, we're big fans of Welcome of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, we do believe, you know, you get past a few of those episodes, they're just going to get better and better. Yeah. Now, he sent another message. The subject line is some good calls. One in particular. And he says, uh, this is again from Agent Michael, as I'm binge, binge listening to Welcome to Level 7, I've caught a lot of times that you've been right on in suspicions and details that would show up later. In particular, when I watched the second episode and listened to your podcast about it, one of you guys said something to the effect of, is that, sending cool gadgets and gizmos to the sun, something that Fury would do? Well, in the episode where we find out that Fury has been keeping all of that, Garrett pretty much answers you with, you really think Fury would get rid of that stuff? So that's a, uh, we, we made a, we made a good call, Daniel. Made a good call. One out of a hundred is not bad. Yeah. Yeah. When you do 116 episodes, you're bound to get something right. Wait a minute. At work, you're, <laughs> you're, you're happy one. When you're, when you do uh, 115 episodes, you're bound to lose track of the count of episode okay man i still can't believe it's 115 episodes <laughs> oh man <laughs> so uh agent leslie sent us an email which that... by the way agent leslie i do love your email address i'm just saying oh, but anyway, oh, oh, oh. yeah we won't say kudos it, in but... question kudos in question hey guys new listener and first time poster stumble upon you on a referral from the once podcast on noodle mix Wow, you guys are such a wealth of Marvel and DC knowledge. Just finished bitch listening to a few of your podcasts, and kudos for such a well-spoken, interesting podcast. I hope you can help unconfuse me regarding comments reported from Josh W. I always understood that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a parallel branch of the MCU, but JW said in an interview that AOS is separate, that Coulson is truly dead, the show has no connection whatsoever with MCU, there is no universe 
would Coulson would ever be head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that the show would lead to a series finale where everything was revealed to be a fantasy of Coulson while in limbo before he goes to the afterlife. That totally crushed me, especially after two years of being a dedicated fan. Your thoughts, I mean, this is for real. Is this for real or sour grapes? I, I think we've pretty much disavowed Joss at this point. Am I correct, Ben? Yeah, we, we've I'm, talked about this a little bit before, but again, this is one of those uh, messages that came through, and I'm not sure because um, in in the message it says uh, that that Agent Leslie binge listened to a few of the episodes, uh, and so I wasn't sure if they the answer came out. Um, as far as the movies are concerned, those have a much broader audience, and so Age of Ultron, for example, where they could have brought Coulson back, um, the broader audience hasn't spent two seasons with Coulson in, in agents of shield rather they watch the movie. Well, they should. Yeah. But they, they watched the movie and then they came back for the next one because it was the next one. And so you could conceivably then watch the MCU movies and not need to know that Coulson was back. However, they are tying in and there are ties with, for example, uh, the, the helicarrier situation that occurs in a movie that is referenced wink, and wink. comes from, you know, the TV show. And so, yeah, while the TV show is, has fewer viewers and it doesn't bring in as much money. Uh, and the TV show really is, is kind of a 22 week uh, advertisement that points to the next movies that are coming out. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that the MCU is a single whole single unit and that when Joss is talking about that, the truth behind his words are what I just said. The movie going audience may not know Coulson is back or may not care that Coulson is back, but it doesn't. I mean, and and then the other thing is I've never heard Joss Whedon give a straight answer. Now I haven't watched everything that every interview or anything like that, but the interviews I've watched with him, he usually will give a straight answer and then he'll, turn it into a joke or something really sarcastic or something ridiculous. Um, I mean, his mind is just constantly moving in those directions. And so that's where, you know, I, I hadn't seen anything where he's talking about Coulson was in limbo the whole time. And this was just his dream before he goes in the afterlife. But that sounds like the kind of thing that that he would say, you know, after giving his, his real answer and his real answer is that yes, the TV show and the movies are separate on paper, but they are part of a singular unit because they're referencing each other. And even though the movies aren't referencing much back toward the TV show, the TV show is taking all these cues from the movies and following along. And the same with Daredevil, even where you have absolutely we we saw it tonight. You hundred know, of New York, yeah. Uh, I mean, Daredevil's whole you know Fisk coming into Hell's Kitchen to save his city. A lot of that is built on the damage that was done by the Battle of New York in the Avengers. And yeah, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, some of it might have been sour grapes too, because I know at the end of Age of Ultron, um, Whedon was tired. He was tired. He was. It was years of his life. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't get to do everything he wanted to do the way he wanted to do it, but he's a team player. And and he was exhausted. You got to do it the way Kev Dog says. Yeah. He was exhausted. 
And so. and I'm just glad. Thank you for appreciating my you know our knowledge of Marvel and DC. Unlike my wife, mother-in-law, <laughs> co-workers. <laughs> I do have but, a couple co-workers who appreciate it because they've asked me some questions. And they, they also appreciate that I go to the movies early so I can come out and say, yeah, you'd like that one. You'd like Ant-Man. I, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, my supervisor at work, he chose to go see Ant-Man instead of a couple other movies that were in the theater um, because I said he might like it. He took his wife and, and they both kind of enjoyed it, you know, because they, 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 I, I told them that. So, all right, this is subject season one, uh, from agent Thomas. Now these season one emails that we're getting, they weren't sent at the beginning of season one. These are, these are emails that have come later on. So they're old right now as we're reading them. Well, but, but but it makes sense. I mean, in many ways, our podcast is a digest. But and we so I can say that I am going back and reading some old Suicide Squad right now, and I listened to a Suicide Squad podcast today that was recorded some time ago because it was, was linked to the issue I just read. I'm just saying we didn't lose these for that long. You know, they, they this is not two year old messages. We lost messages, found them again, but it wasn't two years ago. It's more like six seven months. So. No, eight or nine, no. But uh, Message. This is Agent Thomas reporting in for the first time after binge listening to season one of your podcast. I started to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of Joss Whedon. But because I'm a completionist, I went back and binged the entire MCU before coming back to the show. Thank you for the many hours of entertainment. You got me into comics with your episode on Marvel Unlimited. One thing I wanted to mention, you talked about Coulson being seen by lower level agents, but... I didn't see that as a problem. S.H.I.E.L.D. is a very secretive organization, and I can see many lower-level agents not just uh, just not knowing who Coulson is to begin with or just learning not to question things. I just listened to your episode on Days of Future Past, and your talk about time travel made me think about the book Mostly Harmless by Douglas Adams, where the first four pages set up the rules for time travel by saying, anything that happens, happens. Anything that in happening caused something else to happen causes something else to happen. Anything that in happening causes itself to happen again, happens again. It doesn't necessarily do it in chronological order, though. Uh, anyway, enough of my rambling. I don't expect you to read this in the field report as it has nothing to do with what you're talking about. <laughs> Wrong. We read it. Uh, just thought I'd let you know you have a new agent. Thank you again. I'll be sending you more feedback when I finish season two of Welcome to Level 7. And I want to say, Agent Thomas, first of all, thank you for writing in. Second of all, yeah, thank you for referencing one of my favorite sci-fi writers of all time. So, Good and I, I love that line in that book. Lemon. <laughs> that so. that book uh, does, yeah. That I, I love that line in that book. So, uh, you know, though, time travel is kind of depressing in the Marvel universe since you really can't go back and change things. You just create a new universe. Yeah, whatever. It's kind of depressing. Yeah. Uh, which one now? Read? Which one now? Well, why don't you read the one from uh, from uh, Avocado Kurt? Avocado Kurt. Good day to you, gentlemen. Oh, and this is on the path of the righteous. Avocado Kurt here, resurfacing from the depths of the earth to talk about some daredevil. Before I get into episode 11, the path of the righteous, I just want to point out two things. One, I'm so glad that Daniel got the, re got the reference to my name when you reviewed Nelson versus Murdoch. That flashback scene was one of my highlights from season one, and I knew 
I had to be an avocado instead of an agent, and all my waiting finally paid off. Ha ha. I love Daniel's scale of friendship in your episode 11 review. That was hilarious. With that out of the way, I'll talk about the path of the righteous. I thought the episode was pretty good, mainly for the reasons you specified in your discussion. Everyone is alone and not in a very good place. I think the main things that you that stuck out to me was, one, Foggy, going back to Marcy. That was unexpected and quite interesting that in a moment of crisis, Foggy would go back to someone like her. But I guess he needed to feel something in his hour of need. And two, Wesley. No! I love the character of Wesley. He was the great right-hand man to Fisk, and while he wasn't a good guy, he had a certain level of coolness. He was suave and had excellent loyalty to his boss slash friend. Wilson Fisk, I, I knew I knew when him and Karen were in that room, something was going to go down, but I did not see this coming at all the first time around. Darn it, Karen, why'd you have to shoot him down? But in truth, it's his own fault. He supplied the gun, underestimated his enemy, and got taken out. Still, rest in peace, Wesley. You were awesome. I'll also note that during my first binge watch, while I was still enjoying the show, it was around this episode that my enjoyment for the show started to decrease as it didn't feel as compelling as what had come back as what had come before. Well, that's me. Keep me keep up the good work. Avocado curd out. You know, this is Daniel. Here's one of the things that I've kind of thought about as we've got to these next to last episodes. In many ways, other than people dying off, it doesn't necessarily feel like we're getting the story to completion. And maybe that's one of the reasons why it just doesn't feel as good because it's not completing. And Ben, you've heard me a thousand times rant about comic books and how sometimes the first two acts of a comic book are almost better than the, the third mm-hmm. just because they took more time. Uh-huh. But you get to the third, you got to rush through that arc. Yeah, well, I don't feel that way here, but, you know, we're all different people. We have different thoughts, different hopes. But it's still illegal to beat a man to death in his own living room. It's, yeah, and really when it, when it comes right down to it, it's just a bad idea. But oh, oh, I think Agent Evans got some fighting words. Oh, he does. Subject, Daredevil episode 11, The Ones We Leave Behind. It's actually, this is episode 12 though, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Agent Evans says, I'm super mad. Arg! They killed Ben Urich. Dag Nabbit. Now he'll never get a chance to join the Daily Bugle. Man, I thought I was going to be. I thought that was going to be the name of his blog, but no. Oh, that's cool. The, the name of his blog could be the Daily Bugle. Yeah. Anyway, uh, going back to Agent Evans, he says, Not happy. Ben is one of my favorite average Joe characters in the Marvel Universe, and I was glad to see him brought into the MCU, but now it's over. Man, he could have been crossing over into all kinds of movies and shows. A totally wasted opportunity. Anyway, aside from that, where do we think the Chinese, quote-unquote, lady is actually from? That little plot line, along with a strange Japanese child in the crate, looks like it's shaping up to be a big arch that will likely stretch across all the Defenders shows. I'm excited to see where they'll where they'll take that story. She said she's from a good deal further than China. Are we thinking space or maybe something involving Dr. Strange? What do you guys think? Agent Evan over and out. What do I think? I think we'll find out more in Iron Fist. That's what I think. Boom. 
You know what else? What? And this thought just kind of hit me. Ben and Wesley, as characters, they're never going to, well, to be blunt, suck. They're never going to suck. Yeah, they don't have an opportunity to. Yeah. They, I mean, they're always going to be held up as models of what good characters in the MCU are because they're never going to be able to be backslidden. Unless, of course, there's some massive, you know, flashbacks or, or you know, Tahiti. Tahiti. But, <laughs> but, I mean, they're never going to have an opportunity to go bad on us. It's true. It's true. Well, that's all for our uh, witness testimony. Uh, we do have one more episode of Daredevil coming. And so if you have thoughts about Daredevil you'd like to send us, we'll still read some during Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you know the best time to do it is now, this week. Send us your thoughts so that we can compile them into our grand finale, episode 13 of Daredevil, entitled daredevil so i think it's time for our final verdict daniel are you ready i do final verdict so we've weighed the evidence we've heard witness testimony about other things uh but daniel how many billy clubs out of five do you give uh the ones we leave behind 4.75 4.75. All right. Fair enough. Because I always said I, I only had one episode I was going to give five to. And then you gave it to another one. But I gave it like six. I gave one like six and I get five to one. So, oh, I, so that's I, your cheat. 4.75. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I give it a five, I think. Um, I just, I hated the double dream fake out. But that is the only thing I really didn't like about this episode uh, for the the reasons of storytelling and and style and stuff like that the the rest of the episode it may not be the best best but there's just enough i all the different elements are so good uh i feel like we're getting a superhero story you know the way he's jumping across the roof and infiltrating the bad guy's base and then we get all this fisk stuff as well that's just leading up to you know a final showdown and and then the ben the Ben stuff, the Ben material is, is it's just good. It's just good. And I, even though it doesn't address a lot of things head on, you know, between the character of Ben and the par- the character of Fisk and the character of Matt, and even the character then of Marcy, uh, with, with foggy kind of being her light in the darkness, we are getting these wonderful examples of people who are either choosing dark or choosing light or you know trying to figure out where do i belong and where do i fall in between and you know this is a show that yeah you mentioned content wise there's a lot of language uh that i just don't want my kids hearing there's a lot of uh, violence that i don't want my kids seeing but i'm watching and i'm just i'm finding so much to think about so much to enjoy in the performances and yeah i'm giving this episode five i'm going there i'm going there i went there i'm done wow boom boom well i I think that's pretty much my final words until i 
I say the most controversial thing I'll probably ever say on Welcome to Level 7 after the credits. Ooh. Wow. Big enough tease? Yeah, I'm not sure, Daniel, if I can stand it behind you It could be the most that. controversial thing I say. I mean, this, this might put our friendship in jeopardy. Just based on what people are going to think about you. Can I stay with you? I don't know. Well, will you be able to stand next to me as I say what I believe is truth? I know. There's been some awkward moments here, Daniel. And I just have to say, I mean, first of all, thank you for listening, everyone. But, Daniel, as I'm looking at you eye to eye, microphone to microphone anyway, all I can say Daniel, as you are stepping into this controversial place, is, look, I know things are weird, but I'm still around. You need me? Just call. <laughs> Shoot. Opening statement. I pressed the wrong button. Do I keep it? Or do yeah. we go back? <laughs> okay. Hey, Daniel, look, I know things are weird, but I'm still around. You need me? Just call. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 you can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is the light fantastic by JS Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx. MX. Once again, thanks for listening. And remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. So we were, ugh, we're keeping in two errors so that you could make your post-credit controversial statement rather than post-credits being those two errors No, that make me we, look like a fool. No, we left those in so you didn't have to edit because that's I'm kind true. and loving. That's also true. So anyway, make your statement, Daniel, and we'll see if I can stand behind you on this. As the summer comes to an end. It is coming to a close. And fall begins. It is beginning, yes. Putting I want to make it clear that there is, in fact, too much pumpkin out there. Pumpkin coffee, pumpkin tea, pumpkin pasta, pumpkin... Cakes, cookies, creams, puddings, jellos. Daniel. Pumpkin pancakes, even pumpkin pancakes loved by my family. There's too much pumpkin. Daniel. Yes. I stand behind you on that statement. Oh, thank heavens. I stand behind you. I stand beside you. I might even step in front of you every once in a while on that statement because I, too, hate the proliferation of pumpkin. It's exactly the word that I use on a daily basis this time of year (sighs) is I'm bombarded by emails by coffee companies, noodle companies, etc. Letting me know that they have pumpkin. It's no longer unique if everyone, in fact, has pumpkin. The worst part about it, Daniel, is when I get 
that message from my wife asking me to, on the way home, pick up some pumpkin. Not a pumpkin, but pick up the can of pumpkin to be used in pumpkin bread, pumpkin pancakes, as you've alluded to. It is a terrible, disgusting display that just demeans everything that autumn means to me. I, I want to make it clear I, I'm not anti-pumpkin. I, in fact, love pumpkin pie. I think pumpkin pie is a delight. It's a delicacy, and I like to put a little whipped cream on it. But I feel like every time someone inserts pumpkin into a food item that it's not needed, it, in fact, belittles and lessens the importance of this important and paradigm-shifting fall food. I'm all for the pumpkin pie. I'll say, Daniel, I'm standing in front of you now on this statement because for me, pumpkin pie exists for one purpose, and that is to get the whipped cream into my belly. So there we go. I will accept your belief that, and support you in that since you're still, in fact, eating the pumpkin pie. Mm, but if I have a choice, I'll, I will go for apple rhubarb. And now we are no longer in agreement. Well, Daniel, <laughs> look, <laughs> I know things are weird, but I'm still around. You need me? Just call. I, I pulled that one off. That one worked. Wow, that that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, talk to you later, Daniel. All right, peace out, everybody.